Now, before we proceed with this episode, I do have something important that I need to share with everybody. As you guys know, about two years ago, I did a sketch comedy show called The Going Live Show. And while I was on the show, I worked with a very talented cast and became friends with practically every cast member on the show. And one friend that I had in particular, her name was Tata Sharice. Now, if you watch The Going Live Show, you know who Tata is. She was basically um the public defender that was her uh main gimmick on the uh show that was the main character she played and she did that quite a few times and if you saw the um hood exorcist sketch uh she played the mother in the sketch like i played the uh the priest that was trying to you know get the demon out of her son in the sketch uh she played the mom and i played the priest going the power of christ compels you like that was me well sadly this past Christmas Eve, uh, Tata Sharice was carjacked at gunpoint while coming home from a comedy show. Now, the good news is she is not hurt physically. The bad news is her car was stolen and the merchandise that she sells after shows was stolen as well. And she currently has a GoFundMe page set up to help her raise the money that she needs to get a new car and order more merch so she can, you know, get back to selling merch and get out there performing. And what I'm going to do is I am going to read the synopsis of her GoFundMe page to further illustrate what she's looking for rather than try to paraphrase. So this is on her GoFundMe page. Hey y'all, so I got carjacked. I'm no stranger to obstacles or overcoming tough times, but what recently happened to me was something I really wasn't prepared for. I was carjacked at gunpoint by two men on Christmas Eve coming home from a show. Comedy is now the majority of my income, so my car was very important to me because it's how I get to most shows. Also, all of my Tata Sharice merchandise was in the trunk of my car, which is another big part of my income. I'm blessed to be alive. I do about five to 10 shows a month and I'm really grinding. I don't plan to give up at all, but I'm creating this GoFundMe to help speed things up so I can get back to doing what I love and bring joy to others. Anything that anybody can contribute would be greatly appreciated and used to go towards a car and to replace my merchandise that I sell at shows. I appreciate the support and my spirit has not been broken. Thank you for the love that people have already showed me and anything further helps. I just entered year six of my stand-up comedy career and it has been an incredible journey. I've hit amazing milestones and so far I've performed in over 200 shows non-stop, but I can't let this situation situation slow me down. And as I mentioned before, Tata Sharice is a friend of mine. I've worked with her before. She is hilariously funny and a tremendous talent. And I am encouraging all of the Boochcast fans to donate money to Tata Sharice's GoFundMe to help her get back on her feet, get back on the road, and get back to doing what she does best. So from now until the GoFundMe page is completed, I am going to be putting the link to her GoFundMe page on every single Boochcast episode going forward inside the synopsis so you can use it to go there and do whatever you can to help her out. I will also be providing links on the Boochcast social media pages so you can access them there as well. So go to the link, donate what you can, and help Tata Sharice get back to bringing joy and laughter to the world.
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. This week, ladies and gentlemen, it is Independence Day week. At the time you're listening to this, 4th of July will be tomorrow. But of course, we wanted to celebrate the holiday with something special. But before we get to that, we do have to welcome the man who is joining us for this classic pay-per-view review. He finally showed up to work. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one, the only, Gator Ricky Ross. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died to give their rights to me. Hey, Mr. Butcher, I'm blowing shit up. Oh, so you're lighting the fireworks a day early, I see. Somebody gave me fire! <laughs> and who would do something like that? Um, well, you see, Mr. Bujarelli, uh, I got a cousin named Three Fingers Larry. Three Fingers Larry? Yeah. Okay. He's, uh... he's called Three Fingers Larry because, uh, his mom hated him. Okay. Now, it's, it's not because he only has two fingers left on his hand. Okay. Because why would he call him Three Fingers if he only got two left? Didn't want to have to change the, uh, the name in my contacts on my phone. Okay, that makes sense, I guess. I didn't want to have to change the names. I mean, do you know how hard it is to change contacts on a phone? It can be stressful. It can be stressful, yes. It can be very stressful. So he still feeds Three Finger Larry with two fingers. Okay, Three Fingers Larry with two fingers. Got it. Yes, but it's the two fingers that make the shocker, so somebody's happy. <laughs> so we can get married and still tell people to go fuck themselves. Correct. That's all he needs. It's wonderful, actually. Yeah. Anyway, somebody gave me fire! Yes. Gator, be careful. Don't play too much with the fire, though. Mr. Bujarelli, what could go wrong? Um, well... Okay, you... I found a dead possum. It's got the rigor mortis, because, you know, that's like a vice grip. It, yes. So, I'm just saying, I don't want you to end up being two-fingered gator. <laughs> Look, Betty Joe would love me still. <laughs> anyway, happy fourth, children! Yes, happy fourth, and... To celebrate Happy Fourth, we're doing a classic pay-per-view review. Basically, how this works is um, Gator and I review classic pay-per-views from WCW, yes, WWE, yes, and ECW. Yes, because it is the 4th of July. Yes. Oh, Jose, can you see? Yes. And what we do is we look at these from the perspective of not just two people who are fans of wrestling, but also from the perspective of two people who work in the business, as I had to point out. Because I work in the business. Yes. As I had to point out to a jackass on Facebook. Um, Wait, somebody said that? Somebody was wondering that uh, whether or not I worked in the business? Uh, no. Um, we were having a debate over something, and he tried to say, like, Oh, whatever. You got, I guess you know it all. I said, well, I'm an analyst and I work in the business, so I know quite a lot. So we were having a debate about nepotism in the business and somebody tried to correct me. I'm about to correct them again after this uh, podcast is over. Um, get him, Mr. Bujarelli. You get him. You I'm, kick him in the nuts. Yeah. I'm not quite done putting this motherfucker in his place. Get him. Get him, Mr. Bujarelli. I am so totally down with this. Yes, exactly. He wants a list anyway, of people. Work in the business. Yeah. He wants a list of people who are better than Charlotte Flair. I'm like, oh, you about to get one. So Anyway, oh. um, <laughs> I was going to say throw out a name, but I, I, I'm not going to waste my time with that. I'm just going to give him a list. Don't do that. Don't do that because then he'll say Kenny Omega. Yeah, I'll have to stab him. So... Anyway, so as you guys know, Gator has his credentials. He is a wrestler, manager. He's refereed, but not as a trade. He's done managing, commentary. That's an inside joke between him and me. Um, and he's pop the popcorn. He teaches at a wrestling school. He's pretty much got the industry covered. You know what's, you know what's sad? What? That's still funny. <laughs>
Yes. I myself am a uh, announcer, a commentator. I've done managing uh, in and out of the ring. I've done street team shit that I never want to ever fucking do again. And I've also, you know, occasionally pop the popcorn. I pretty much got the industry covered as well. And this week, ladies and gentlemen, in honor of the 4th of July, we are doing the Great American Bash 1997. That's right. This was not part of our 97 secession thing because even though Bash at the Beach 97 follows this, I wanted to save this specifically for the 4th of July. So this didn't join the 97 secession. I held it for the 4th of July week. And this is, of course, the 7th Great American Bash pay-per-view and the 11th Great American Bash overall. So it's the 7th one for WCW and it's number 11 overall. It took place on June 15th, 1997 at the Mark of the Quad Cities in Moline, Illinois. There were 9,613 fans in attendance. The tagline is, give them a nice warm hug on Father's Day. So apparently this was around Father's Day weekend that this event took place. Or it might have been on actual Father's Day. Who fucking knows? But anyway, if it was, I hope y'all enjoyed it. Uh, with I'm dads. done. I'm done. So... <laughs> We have Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan, and Dusty Rhodes on the commentary. Gene Oakland, of course, doing the interviews. David Penzer and Michael Buffer, of course, as the ring announcers. And our referees are Randy Anderson, Mark Curtis, Scott Dickinson, Mickey J, and, of course, senior official Nick Patrick. I hate all of you. <laughs> I'm sorry. What does that mean? Uh, pretty mean. I don't know why you hate all of them. I thought you only I hate only one or two. Um... I hate everybody. Oh, well, that makes sense. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to kick this off with our first official match of the evening. Oh, boy, here we go. We've got Ultimo Dragon goes one-on-one against Psychosis with Sonny Ono. Satan! <laughs> Mr. Midrelli, no! <laughs> Fuck Sonny Ono. I didn't book the card. Fuck Sonny Ono. Have I ever, have I ever said fuck Sonny Ono? Multiple times on multiple WCW pay-per-views. So it's not going to hurt anything if we do it again? No, I, I, Sonny Ono hasn't booked me for anything, and until he does, you can say whatever you want. Hey, I don't give a fuck, because I wouldn't work for him, and I wouldn't work for Vince Russo, so they could both go die in a fire. <laughs> okay, the wrestling here. Uh, this is straight-up normal 90s. WCW Cruiserweight action. The only thing with me that that irks me here is this tends to get a little drawn out towards the end. Do you agree? Yeah. It gets a little long. It did drag quite a bit. I don't know why, but it's like they lose their footing. Does that make sense? Yes. But it's good action. I mean, it's your typical Lucha Libre, which is hilarious to say when there's two Japanese guys in there with one Mexican. That is true, and I, I didn't. I did notice a couple spots here that got on my goddamn nerves, or something, or just things that are confusing. Like at one point, um, Dragon was bouncing off the ropes, and he walked right into a side headlock. What the fuck was that? Wrestling. Okay, that's my answer. Makes no goddamn sense. It didn't look like he tried anything. It didn't look like Dragon stumbled. It looked like he just walked right up to him and put my put my head in the headlock, please. That was the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Oh, and then it gets better, because at one point, um, Psychosis goes for a drop down, but Dragon drops the elbow, then puts him in the corner and chops him and then shoots him off. Psychosis reverse, Dragon ends up standing on his head on the turnbuckle, and Dragon then spreads his legs. What the fuck was that? That is, Mr. Bucciarelli, that's number 17, the spread eagle. <laughs> Why is this a taunt? Why is this a thing? 
Okay, those who like music theater, specifically the musical Chicago, will understand why that's funny. That's number 17, The Spread Eagle. Yes, and then by the time she washed the blood off her hands, she realized they were dead. We know. Um... (laughs) I was waiting for you. I was waiting to see if you got it or not. Yeah, I got it. Trust me. I never actually seen the play on stage, but I've seen the movie, so I'm familiar with that. Yeah, but I didn't know if you got number 17, the spread eagle. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm like, why? Is it meant to brag? Is it meant to show that you can do a headstand? Is it like, uh, hey, here's how strong my core is? Like, I don't know what the goal of it is. The only, the only goal is, uh, look at me. I'm ready for a spread eagle. I'm waiting for Zach Brad to jump on his back and go, eagle! That's all I'm thinking. Now, there's a lot of chain wrestling in this, ladies and gentlemen. It's it's, it's a long-ass yeah, fucking you chain. Know what, you know what's even better than chain wrestling? What's that? Hot spots. Oh, of course. So at one Did you, point, what you think I was going to say? I, I don't know. Uh, Psychosis bounces off the roads, dragging leapfrogs and head scissors them out of the ring, and then hits an acai moonsault. And then Tanae says it sounds like his real name. It um, is his real name. <laughs> I'm sorry. Aren't we supposed to keep real names kayfabe on the commentary? I, I, I'm... Is that not a thing anymore? I do not know. I mean, I, it would be another two years before Russo ran creative, but I'm pretty sure kayfabe was still a thing in WCW during this time. Mr. Budrelli? Yes? I do not know. Stupid. That was very stupid, dude. Then at one point, they get back in the ring. Psychosis bumps him into the ropes, and Psychosis bounces off the ropes. Dragon rolls through, gets a Frankenstein for a two count. Psychosis reverses into a pinfall attempt. That looked fake as fuck. Am I the only one that noticed that? Oh, no, you were, yeah. Right on it, brother. You're right on it. Yeah. And then, of course, later on, he lost in the Dragon Sleeper, taps him out. Now, what's ironic is this is supposed to be called a respect match, yet Sonny Ono interferes, and by the time the match was over, I had lost respect for both these guys. Mm-hmm. So, where, where was the respect factor of this match? There wasn't one. Exactly. Again, shitty marketing. Like calling something a dream match, even though no one's ever fantasized about it. So, anyway, we move on right, here. Right, right, right. But, Mr. Bujarelli, clean that up. It's okay. There's no need to have a raid. I, I, w- I won't. I'll be fine. And... On that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We got some tag team action. Uh, We have the Steiner Brothers versus Harlem Heat with Sister Sherry. This is not their best. Am I wrong? No, no, but please continue. They've had better matches. Yeah. This just seemed like all four of these guys did not fucking care. Yeah. Am I wrong here? They just seemed like they didn't care. They didn't care, no. They didn't care. I mean... Literally, this match is meant to determine the number one contenders for the WCW World Tag Team titles. And it's like... But they don't care. They don't care. And then it ends in a fucking DQ. What? Yes. Why? Because Vincent from the NWO comes out, nails an elbow on Booker, and the Steiners get this wall I know why, Mr. Boudreaux. That's not... I just... I don't have an answer as to why. That's the only thing I can come up with is what actually happened. Booking-wise, I don't know why they did this. At all. Wrestling. Okay. It made about as much sense as Forrest Gump in a trigonometry class. It makes no sense. But of course, in this match, at one point, the Steiners do their trademark pose with their backs to the fucking hard cam. That's the ultimate definition of I don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. Seriously, play to the fucking hard cam. You know how many times I've gone to indie shows that are being taped and I have to hear people hammer this point home? Quite a bit, probably. Why is this even a thing you have to hammer home? That should be common sense. To anyone in wrestling at this point. Like, if you don't understand the concept of the hard cam, you should not be in pro wrestling. Like, you should not be allowed out of training school 
if hard cam was not taught to you. And if it wasn't taught to you, you had a shitty teacher. Go to a different school. Seriously. Like, if you're not learning this, your teacher should be teaching this. Otherwise, you got somebody that never worked TV. And I don't care how long you've been in the business. Which does happen. Yeah. And look, I'm not saying that everybody that teaches a wrestling school has to be a a main event world heavyweight champion. But at the very least, you've had to have worked TV to run a wrestling school, in my opinion. That should be the prerequisite to own a school. You worked on TV. That should be the prerequisite. As as somebody who who has worked on TV but never in a major company, I agree. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying, okay, you might not have worked for the WWE. That's fair. But at least if you worked TV and understand the difference between wrestling on TV and wrestling at a house show or indie show, whatever the fuck you want to call it. If you don't know the difference, you shouldn't be teaching at school. Like, that should be something that's taught to everyone. And at this point in both their careers... Steiner Bros, Harlem Heat, whatever. They know better. That's why I can't give them a free pass. They know better. Even at this stage of their career, they know better. You're not wrong, dude. You're not wrong at all. Yeah. And then at one point, Scott goes up the middle rope, goes for an elbow, but is too far away, and the counter is awkward. I can't tell this is a botch or not. It was a botch. Okay. Usually when I say that, I'm looking for Gayer to confirm if it was a botch or not. Because, like, he goes for an elbow drop, but he's way too far away when he lands. He's nowhere near Booker T. Then after that, it's basically just, like I said, standard tag wrestling that guys you didn't care. Stevie's pissed off because he didn't want to win by DQ. You know, the Steiners snap and attack Vincent. Scott takes him down, throws him into the ring. Vincent goes to kick Rick, and Rick takes him down. They hit a double clothesline, and the Steiner double-team bulldog, and they drape the NWO shirt on him, spit on him, and stomp all over him. So basically, they beat the shit out of Vincent. Harlem Heat, they got the win. They're going to go for the tag belts, but they're not happy with how they won it, which is how they should react. Because at this time, I'm assuming the Harlem Heat are still babyface. Yeah. Yeah, no babyface should be celebrating a DQ win. You take the win, but you shouldn't be happy about it. It's weird because they've got Sherry with them, and she's a heel. This is that weird time. Yeah, it's very, very weird. But yet, that's how things were in WWE. Of course, it's weirder than the first time Zachary Scott tried to have sex. (laughs) Sorry, was that mean? I was about to be meaner, but I've, I think I, I think I've punished him enough. I don't think I. He still hasn't gotten laid. Anyway. And then, uh, so this match was 12 minutes and 2 seconds. Of our lives, we can't get back. And the the match before that was 14 minutes and 20 seconds. Of our lives, we can't get back. There we go. And on that note, we now move on to the next match of the evening. Here we go. We got Conan versus Hugh Morris. Okay. Why? Uh, Why is this on the (laughs) pay-per-view? This looks like a match you would see on a fucking Nitro. Yes, it was. Absolutely. Why? Like, honestly, this was just a match. You know, they start training punches, Hugh knees him in the ribs, shoots him off, nails a running lariat. It's standard shit. Conan does the up and over, rolls away, and then Hugh nails a running drop kick. I find it weird the big guy is drop kicking the not-so-big guy in this scenario. That's just weird to me. Wrestling! And like I said, this was basically just normal wrestling. You know, a standard arm bar, which Conan calls the code red. He locks that in. Then, of course, um... He wins by technical submission because Hugh hit the ring post face first and was knocked out. So when Conan locked in the tequila sunrise, the ref rang the bell. Which I guess is good because, again, no disrespect to Conan. I love him as a worker. But Hugh Morris is too big a guy for Conan to really overpower. So if he was going to tap him out or put him in a submission, it would make more sense for him to be knocked out. Personally, I would have preferred a pinfall. I don't really know why you need a technical submission. I don't see no reason to continue this feud because I don't think this is a rivalry that fans really care about or want to see. 
This is very much a undercard match. It, I felt it should have opened the show personally. If I'm being brutally honest, because at least Dragon and Psychosis had a story. There was something leading up to this. Nothing with Conan or Hugh Morris led up to anything here. What the fuck did this lead up to? Nothing. Now, on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. Oh, boy. Here we go. Got, oh, yeah. Yeah, be ready. We got Wrath with James Vanderberg and Mortis versus Glacier. What the fuck? <laughs> no, 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 no. Seriously, what the actual ever-loving no-good goddamn fuck? This, kids, is why weed is legal in California. <laughs> Yes. Vinny, what is the one thing I am very well known for through my teachings? Um, my colorful language. Yes, your very colorful language and your analogies that if they were on terrestrial radio would get us fired. Correct. Why was this like watching the U.S. Paralympics team? You want them to do well, but you're scared one of them's going to fall over and the kid with Tourette's is going to say fuck. Exactly. Wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Because um, in this match, Mortis is handcuffed to the ring post. I don't get it. And basically, you have a backstory here about Mortis. He's a former uh, pro wrestler who was limited by the rules and regulations of the sport and was suspended so often that he was forced to compete in unsanctioned pit fights overseas. And Vandenberg has even admitted they ran out of competition in Southeast Asia. They discovered that Glacier was wrestling for WCW and they referred to him as an old nemesis and that Mortis is a skeleton in Glacier's closet. Apparently so. Yeah, this is Mike Tanay trying to explain to the audience why this is a match we should care about and why Mortis is someone Glacier is concerned with, either hates or fears or whatever the fuck. Even though, even though it's something we, we all really don't give a, a fuck about. Yeah, exactly, because, um, yeah, Glacier no do well. So. We don't care. <laughs> exactly. You know, so, yeah, so anyway, in this match, you know, it's pretty much, you know, like you said, your standard, you know, basic match, you know, decent moves back and forth, you know, they lock it up. Just, it, it just doesn't, there's no, <laughs> I don't know how to say what I want to say. There's no, like, reason. <laughs> yeah, and these two did not work very well together in this match. It just, it was not very good, and at one point, um, the ref's distracted because James was trying to get the key to uncuff Mortis. So at one point, there was a distraction. That's how Glacier was able to get the win without any fuckery or interference on their part. Mortis uncuffs himself while James is yelling at Glacier, and then Mortis hits him with a handcuff clothesline, and then they cuff Glacier to the ropes, and Wrath and Mortis beat down on him. He tries to fight with one arm, but it's not enough. Wrath chokes him while Mortis hits multiple kicks. Wrath stomps on him, and then Mortis stomps on him. Mortis then punches him until the ref finally backs them down. And that's pretty much the end of this basic big basic match that was not special. Wrestling! <laughs> yes, and the match was 12 minutes and 2 seconds. Of our life, we can't get back. The match before that was 10 minutes and 34 seconds. Of our life, we can't get back. Thank you. Yeah, and on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. This is for the WCW Women's Championship. We have Akira Hokuto with Sonny Ono defending the title against Medusa. You got it. Okay. I invoke the tooth and nail rule. Tooth and nail rule. We don't have a tooth and nail rule. Well, I'm invoking it. We have an elite rule, but we don't have a tooth and nail rule. Okay, I'm invoking the elite rule. We can't do that on classic matches. I'm invoking it. <laughs> All right, fine. 
Basically, in this match, Medusa's career is on the line. If she loses, her career is over. Akira spits at Medusa and then slaps her in the face. She drops to one knee. Akira then grabs her by the hair, takes her to the corner, and then tosses her across the ring. Medusa hits her in the midsection, but Akira clubs her in the back. They trade shots, but Akira grabs her by her hair and tosses her across the ring as the back of her head hits the bottom rope. Akira stops Okay, her. can I throw something in here real quick? Sure, go ahead. Okay, how do I say this nicely? Um, This is a situation in where you've got a wrestler who, who does not understand the American style with a wrestler who's very good at the American style and attempts to cover that up, but she can barely do it. And Akira stomps on her head, then grabs it by her hair and brings it to the corner and does a hanging sleeper, but the ref makes her break it. Akira does a two-handed choke slam and then stomps her throat and then punches her repeatedly before locking in the chin lock. Akira grabs her by her hair and pulls her against the ropes and then hits a pile driver. Pulling her against the ropes is something that's very much a regular in this match and then steps on her face. She was by the ropes, so it wasn't a pin. Akira shoots her off, but Medusa counters with a sling blade and then two missile drop kicks and goes for the cover, but Sunny puts Akira's foot on the ropes. Medusa then punches her into the corner, hits multiple boxing-like punches, and here's where I have a question. I can't tell if those were stiff or not. Were those working punches, or was she stiff in that match? No, those were very good working punches. <laughs> okay, very good, because I could not tell. Uh, Medusa hits a snapmare, then slams her neck, but then Akira grabs her neck and then puts her in the corner and chokes her with her boot. Akira clubs her back and then hits a combination scoop slam suplex and then chokes her with her knee. Akira picks her up and hits a weird suplex and then goes for the figure four, but Medusa makes it to the ropes before she can fully apply it. Akira shoots her off, but Medusa reverses and hits a kick and then a series of kicks against the ropes and then a snapmare. Goes for a suplex, but Akira has a small package for a two count. Akira shoots her off, Medusa flips over to the apron, then kicks her in the back of the head and then goes up top for a double axe handle, but she landed wrong. And Akira took advantage and stomps her injured knee. Akira's going for a suplex, but Medusa can't move her knee. And Akira slams her on the knee. Akira then applies a surfboard submission. Akira then goes for a northern light suplex for a two count. Akira goes up top. Medusa hobbles over the corner and hits a head scissor off the top rope and then nails a powerbomb for a two count. Akira puts Medusa up top and hits a superplex for a two count. Medusa ducks a clothesline and goes for a wrist waist lock, but Akira counters into a knee bar. Medusa makes it to the ropes, and Akira is forced to break it. Akira goes up top, and Medusa moves out of the way, hits a German suplex, and gets a two count. Because Sunny grabbed the bad leg. Akira goes for a cover and gets a one count. Akira tries to work the knee, but Medusa fights back, and Akira steps on the knee, and Sunny hyperextends it. Akira grabs her hair and hits a scoop slam, and then goes up top for a splash. Medusa gets the knees up. Medusa then hits a running or hobbling lariat for a two count. Yeah. It's more of a hobbling lariat, but it worked. Medusa picks her up, but collapses under the bad knee. Akira then does a weird slam for the win, which means that Medusa is done in WCW. Wrestling. Here's my question. Was Medusa just saying fuck it and ready to leave, or were they stupid enough to let her go? Fuck it. She was in fucking mode? Yeah. Can't say that I blame her. I mean, they constantly had her putting over. It's like, hey, can you jaw to all these Japanese women? Wrestling. We love it if you could, even though you're a great champion and you speak perfect English, we'd like you to job the people that nobody knows and no speaky a lick of goddamn English. Can you do that? Could you do that? We appreciate it. Wrestling. We got to make New Japan happy, even though they don't make our fans happy. Or us happy. There's no happy at all here. It's hard enough to get women's wrestling over in WCW, but they just fucking. It's, it's just hard enough to get women's wrestling over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Sorry. Not wrong, though. In WCW, yeah. It, well, it was very hard in WCW. They did not take women's wrestling seriously. Well, I don't take women's wrestling seriously. And I have female students, and they know that. So why are they still taking your class, though? I'm the only wrestling school for the next hundred and some miles. 
And you're teaching them because... You told me I had to? Yes, I, I did. So all the females in the class, you're welcome. And this match was 11 minutes and 41 seconds. And again, if you're a women's wrestling fan, I guess you'll enjoy this. If you love Japanese wrestling, uh, this match is for you. Yes. If you like Kenny Olivier, we'll like this. Yeah. And if you're an even bigger fan of Rio, you will like this match. But if you truly love and respect professional wrestling, you won't enjoy this match. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. Here, ladies and gentlemen, we have ourselves a death match, which is funny and ironic considering who's in it. Uh, we have Meng going one-on-one -on -one against Chris Benoit. <laughs> Go ahead. You can I got it. nothing. <laughs> Yes. I can't do it. Because, <laughs> of course, because when I think death, I think Chris Benoit. So, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> All this match was missing was duct tape, Xanax, and a telephone <laughs> I'm sorry, did I say too much? You mother... I may you have said too much. I'm going to make jokes, so just do it. I'm fine. Go ahead. I'm making jokes. <laughs> oh, so I can make jokes? Yeah, I'm totally fine with it. She killed that bitch. <laughs> That's more of a statement than a I'm, joke. I'm talking... No, 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 I'm talking about the match. He killed that bitch. Yes, he did. What did you think I was talking about? I don't mm -hmm. know. Wrestling. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yes. Basically, in this match, you fight until one man can take no more. You have to either give up or be knocked out. You know what's funny? What? That's exactly what Chris Benoit did. He fought until he couldn't take no more. Anyway! Okay. Like, Chris, what's the finish going to be? Give up or knocked out? He said, yes. And... In this match, we have Mang gets a pep talk from Jimmy Hart, but then Chris suicide dives. Oh, God. That's not even a joke. That's what happened in the fucking match. On to him and starts punching him repeatedly, which was a believable high spot. It was a believable high spot, not because of the blatantly obvious, but also because the fact that Meng was distracted and wasn't sitting there waiting for Chris to fucking catch him is why that high spot was believable. But I'm not going to lie. Chris doing a suicide dive fucking made me laugh. I'm sorry. I didn't structure the fucking match, okay? Nobody knew that 10 years from that date that he was going to do what he did. Now, Benoit scares off Jimmy and then stomps Meng and lays his arm across the rail and stomps on him. Kicks him and then throws him back in the ring as he goes up top and hits a diving headbutt. He then locks in the crippler cross face, but Meng picks him up and puts him on the top turnbuckle. He then throws him across the ring. Meng runs at him, but Chris is a drop toe hold, but only trips him. I think that was a botch, was it not? Yes. yes, that was a botch. Yes. Chris then drop kicks him in the midsection, then kicks him in the forehead and goes for a figure four, but Meng tries to push him off, but Chris grabs his arm and locks in the crippler cross face. Again, Meng makes it to the ropes, which of course, I now must ask the billion dollar question, why are there rope breaks in a death match? Wrestling! Seriously, do people think... Th again, this goes back to that dream match crap on Dynamite a few months back, or, or a few days ago at the, time, at the time that we're recording this. Words in wrestling matter. Think before you book something. Don't call something a death match if it has regular rules and regulations. If this is a death match, there should not be a rope break. For fuck's sake. Jesus Christ. But Mr. Boots, what? You know what that is? What? Wrestling. Yes. It's false advertisements. You have to present what you're going to fucking advertise. You can't say stupid shit like, I'm going to blow up the ring and then just have sparklers. That shit don't fucking work. You say you're going to blow up the ring, blow the goddamn ring up. 
If you say something's a dream match, make it between two people that wrestlers actually dream about seeing in a ring. You want to make something to be a death match, make it a fucking death match. You fight to the death, or at least unconscious. Unconscious. There, there should be a knockout of some sort. Yes. So, Chris stomps on him and kicks him and they exchange blows until Mang kicks him in the head and Chris goes down. Mang picks him up and goes for a powerbomb, but Benoit fights out and bounces off the ropes and hits a forearm shot and then slides out of the ring. He hits him on the apron and then Benoit suplexes him to the floor, but Mang grabbed the top rope, which caused Benoit to fall on the apron. Benoit throws him back in the ring, goes up top, but Mang kicks his leg out from under his leg and Benoit lands in the tree of woe. And Mang hits a series of kicks and a back heel stomp to the head. Benoit beats the count and Mang kicks him and then chops him repeatedly and then they trade shots until Mang chops him down. Mang picks him up and shoots him off and nails a monster powerbomb. Mang kicks him in the jaw and locks in the dragon sleeper but Benoit fights out and kicks him in the gut and nails a right hand and then a series of chops and then kicks him and shoots him into the corner. But Mang counters with a knee. Mang hits a scoop slam and goes up top and nails the tongue and splash and goes for a cover even though they mentioned there are no pinfalls in this fucking match. Mang gets up and the ref begins to count. Benoit gets up at 9 and Mang just kicks him in the head. Benoit and Mang fight on the floor and Mang shoots Benoit off but Chris reverses and sends Mang into the guardrail and then throws him back in the ring. Benoit hits a German suplex into a pin even though there are no pinfalls. I hate all of this. I hate all this too. Like really? Really? Like I'm in a German suplex and he held on to it. They just said no pinfalls. You idiot. Jesus Christ. Do people even pay attention to the rules they set up before they do these matches? Ah. And they wonder why technical wrestlers get no respect. I, I've got nothing. <laughs> I know. This is basically literally just a regular match. I don't see anything. There's nothing death about this death match. I don't feel like there's a fight to the death. Nobody got color. And at the very least, somebody should have got color in this match. Whether it be Benoit or whether it be Mang. Somebody should have got color. There should have been color here. Yeah. Although with Benoit, you might not want to say color. You might want to say gig or juice. Because if you say someone needs to get color, he, he might assume you mean the color blue. And no, we don't. Anyway, he lost the color. Wow. 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 Although he might mix the color red and blue, and we end up with purple. So he lost the Crippler cross face, and a long, hard fight. Mang taps out. Benoit wins the match. So, yeah. Benoit won a death match. <laughs> Not surprised. I, I don't know where to go with this. Match was 14 minutes and 59 seconds. Of Daniel's life that he can't get back. And... I don't care. We'll get letters. On that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We've got Kevin Green goes one-on-one -on -one against Steve McMichael with Deborah McMichael. Mungo! This was terrible. <laughs> this was two dudes that should not have been working together. Yeah. Two football I mean, players Greg, in a wrestling ring. It, it just... Kevin runs down to the ring, gets on the apron, and blots a punch from Mungo and hits a forearm shot. And then a drop kick while jumping into the <laughs> ring and then hits a forearm shot until Mungo throws him off the rope. He hits a flying lariat from a three-point stance and then hits multiple punches until Mungo rolls out of the ring. He trips Kevin and then slams his leg on the apron and then drops an elbow on the knee and then pulls him to the floor and stomps on him. Mungo then slams him into the guardrail near his mom and his mom slaps him with his purse. Was that supposed to happen? It looked like the mom was shooting. Was the mom shooting? I don't think so. Possibly. She's shooting? I think this bitch is shooting, cowboy. Oh, boy. I'm sure they had a chat with her later. Kevin hits a flying knee and then slams him into the apron before throwing him into the steel steps. Kevin throws him into the ring and then checks on his mom and then goes into the ring. So I'm assuming that check on his mom was like, yes. Mom, it's kayfabe. Mongo knees him in the head and then stomps on him. Steve then kicks Mongo! him. Yes. 
Steve then kicks him in the ribs, then stomps on the ankle. Mungo picks him up I, and shoots him off. I'm sorry, I just had off. to do that. Kevin reverses, it's, but Mungo hits a reverse neckbreaker for a two count. Mongo then stomps on him. Mongo shoots him off, and Kevin counters with a Luthez press until Mongo pushes him off. Kevin runs at him. And Mongo! Yes, and hits hits a tilt a world backbreaker for a two count. Mongo shots him and then drives his fingers into his ear. Mongo shoots him off into the corner and hits multiple punches. Kevin counters as a 10 punches in the corner. Standard in babyface wrestling. Mongo picks him up and hits an yeah. atomic drop and a drop kick for a two count. M- Mongo throws him into the corner and then stomps on him. Mongo does a modified ankle lock. Mongo hits him in the corner and then chokes him. Kevin kicks him and then hits a double boot with arms on the ropes for leverage. Kevin goes up top and nails a flying shoulder block and goes up for the cover, but Mungo gets his foot on the ropes. Kevin chokes him, but the ref pulls him off. Kevin then kicks Mungo over the top rope. He jumps out to the floor and kicks and stomps him. Kevin does a scoop slam and then throws him back in the ring. Deborah claims she's hurt and Kevin checks on her and realizes she was faking it. Kevin tries to go back in and Mungo misses an elbow drop and then Kevin stomps on him. Kevin shoots him into the corner, does a three-point stance and runs for a splash, but Mungo dodges it. And then clubs the back of his head after a kick to the midsection. Mungo chokes him. Deborah tries to strike the ref, and Mungo locks him in a choke. Locks in a choke. Jeff Jarrett comes out with the briefcase and goes to hit Kevin, but Kevin pulls Mungo in, and Jeff accidentally hits Mungo with the briefcase, and Kevin pins him for the win. Wrestling. Yes. And basically, again, this was a clusterfuck of a match. Clusterfuck is not even, like, the right word. It's just bad. It's just bad. Very, very bad. This is Vinny. I'm about to say something in wrestler. Folks, this is time for translation with Vinny Bucci. Are you ready, Vinny? I'm ready. Vinny, this match was the drizzling shit. It was god-awful. The drizzling shit is the worst thing you can say about a wrestling match. Yes. And the match was 9 minutes and 21 seconds. I don't even know where to go with that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even worth doing the gimmick there. All right. Well, then, on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the WCW World Tag Team Titles. The Outsiders, with six, defend the titles against Ric Flair and Roddy Piper. Flair and Piper come out as this new tag team. And I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't hate it. I did not hate this match. It wasn't terrible. This was just old-school Southern tag team wrestling, really. You can tell who's running this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now... In this match, uh, Rick and Scott start things off. Hollow chucks a toothpick at him, then kicks him in the gun, hits a right hand. Scott then punches him in the corner. Rick counters with shots, punches in a right cross, and sends Hall out of the ring. Rick struts around the ring, like he always does. Uh, Hall gets back in the ring, and they lock up, and Hall knees him in the midsection, and then punches him, and then shoots him into the corner. And he goes over the turnbuckle and walks on the apron right into a big boot by Nash, which is a classic combo that Hall and Nash have done multiple times in tag matches. And... Hall covers him for a two count and then stomps on him. Flair blots a punch and chops him and then shoots him off and Hall reverses and Six trips up Flair and then Hall hits Larry for a two count. Hall tags in Nash. Nash tells Piper to suck it and then Nash hits multiple knees on Flair in the corner. He then picks him up and hits some elbow shots in the corner and a hard right. Nash shoots him off and hits a sidewalk slam for a two count. Nash hits snake eyes and then Hall hits him with a lariat. Nash settles with a jackknife but Flair hits a low blow. Not surprised. Nash tags in Hall and Flair tags in Piper and Piper comes in like a house of fire. Punches Hall and slams Nash in the turnbuckle and then dots the eyes. Like he always does. He then dots the eyes of Hall and punches him. He then throws Hall into Nash and then locks in the sleeper hold on Hall. Nash is dazed in the corner, but Hall crotches Piper onto the ropes to break the hold. Both men are down as the ref counts. Flair is hyping up Piper and the crowd. Flair grabs the ref to drag him to the corner so he doesn't miss the tag. Six comes in while the ref is distracted and hits Piper with a spinning back kick. 
Flair season starts punching and chopping six. They are fighting up the rampway while Piper and Hall are both down. Hall covers Piper but only gets a two count. Hall stomps Piper and Piper finally realizes Flair isn't there. Mm. Nash gets tagged in and needs Piper in the midsection, but he keeps fighting. They exchange blows. Piper fights back, but Nash clubs him repeatedly. Piper tries to fight, but Nash knees him in the midsection. Nash throws him in the corner and tags in Hall. Hall stomps and punches him. He kicks him in the midsection, then chokes him in the ropes and slaps him in the head. Hall tags in Nash, who kicks him in the gut. Nash knees him in the corner. Piper fights back with forearms, and then Nash throws Piper in the corner, and Hall punches him, and Piper fights back, chopping both of them. Piper shoots Nash off. He reverses, and Hall hits him in the back of the head, and Nash nails a big boot. Nash tags in Hall. Hall nails the outsider's edge for the one, two, three win. Here's the thing. Okay, so this was, there's nothing special about this. This is what I would show a student as this is a standard tag match, correct? Yes. That's basically all this is. Standard is the best way to say this. Yes. And of course, for those of you that listened to the WCW Bash at the Beach 1997 review, and of course, for those of you that listened to the WCW Bash at the Beach 1997 review, which after you're done listening to this episode, you can go back and listen to that episode on the Boochcast if you haven't already. This is what led up to Flair and Piper wrestling at Bash at the Beach going one-on-one because Flair left the match, Piper got pissed, afterwards and that led to them in a one-on-one match because now Piper's pissed off that Flair abandoned him to get beat down by the Outsiders. On that note, we are going to move on here to our main event of the evening. A Falls Count Anywhere match. We have Macho Man Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth versus Diamond Dallas Page with Kimberly Page. Okay, from our other 97 um, pay-per-views. Vinny, this is the storyline of the year. Yes, feud of the year. Randy Savage versus DDP. This is the feud of the year. This is basically their next match in this. So, this is pretty damn good. If you've gotten into this feud over watching some... See, Vinny and I have had to go back and watch these, right, Vinny? Yes, we have. So, we've seen this feud build, correct? Yes, we have. Okay. In the process of seeing the feud build, we have seen that these two guys know how to fucking work each other. And they just take it more and more. They're not out here trying to do things that will cripple each other. You really think these two motherfuckers hate each other. That's what you want in wrestling. Yes. You don't want a situation where, oh, I'm in a ladder match. I've got to do something bigger and better than the last guy. Or the last guy stuck a light tube up his ass and kicked it and broke it in his anal cavity. i got to figure out something else to do. Third guy chopped off his penis and stuck it in the man's mouth and kicked him in the face with it. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. You can do feuds like this and make it simple, simplistic, and work. Rant over. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Now, Kimberly distracted Savage on the ramp, and DDP snuck up through the crowd and attacks Savage from behind. Dallas stomps on him and then works the arm and goes for the diamond cutter, but Randy pushes him off and then runs out of the ring. Dallas stomps on his hand and nails a plancha on Savage. Dallas favors the ribs, allowing Savage to get up and kick him in the ribs. He goes to slam Dallas into the guardrail, but he blocks it and slams Savage into the guardrail. He then tries to use Liz as a shield, but Dallas moves her out of the way and follows him into the ring. Love that spot. Again, I love it when baby faces are like, look, I'm not just going to stand here like an idiot. I'm going to move this bitch out my way so I can kill this motherfucker. Because both of y'all pissed me off to begin with. So I love that. Dallas hits a shoulder tackle, bounces off the ropes. 
Savage drops down, goes for a hip toss, but Dallas blocks and goes for one of his own, but Randy blocks it. Then he ducks the clothesline, but Dallas nails the second one. Dallas goes up top and hits a flying lariat and still favors the ribs. So he's always selling the ribs throughout the match. Another key thing here. Dallas grabs the leg and stomps on it. Dallas then throws him out of the ring. Dallas goes after him, but Randy rakes the eyes. Randy then knocks him over the guardrail, and Randy follows him and picks him up and drops his ribs on the rail. They fight through the crowd as Randy slams him onto the chairs, and then Dallas sends him into the wall and then through the door. Dallas grabs a crutch and waits for Savage to come through the door and then hits him in the gut and the back. Standard thing to do with a crutch. Yeah. Dallas slaps him and then slams him into the risers. Randy and Dallas fight back to the ring. Randy picks him up and hits a spine buster onto the floor. Randy sends him into the steel steps. Lives gives Randy powder and he blinds Dallas with it and then kicks him in the gut and hits him with a brokeable DDP sign. Commentators say it was a hubcap, I guess. That was not a hubcap. Yeah, it looked nothing like a hubcap. Savage stomps on DDP. Randy rips off the bandage on his ribs and stomps the ribs as he does it. Randy traps him in the ropes and stomps on his ribs. The crowd is chanting, we want Sting. Because they're hoping Sting will come out to save Dallas. Randy hits the ref for trying to break the hold. Randy then pile drives the ref. Yeah, that's smart. Dallas fights back, but Randy hits a vicious right hand. Dallas hits a headbutt. Randy stomps on Dallas in the corner and then punches him. He then starts choking him as another ref comes in to break the hold. And Randy shoves him off and then throws him out of the ring. Dallas gets up and punches him and then shoots him into the corner but Savage gets the boot up and hits a clothesline and then clotheslines Dallas out of the ring. Randy moves Kimberly out of his way and forces her into the corner as Nick Patrick backs him off. Again, moving people out of their way. I like that. He was a member of the NWO, so Savage spares his life. Randy then goes after Dallas on the ramp. Dallas then throws Randy in the picnic area and hits him with a glass plate. He then bashes him with a flower pot. He then puts him through a picnic table and then dumps charcoal on him. He chokes him with his shirt and brings him back to the ramp and then to the ring. Dallas kicks him in the ribs and then shoots him into the corner and then trips him up and pulls his crotch into the ring post. He then stomps on the head and does a face slam and then Savage responds with a jawbreaker. He then sends him into the steel steps. He then pulls out the padding and goes for a pile driver, but Nick Patrick stops him and then Randy takes out Nick Patrick and then beats up the photographer. Dallas then hits him with a chair. Dallas throws him back in the ring. Dallas picks him up and Randy hits a low blow. Randy goes for suplex, but Dallas counters and hits the diamond cutter. Scott Hall stomps on Nick Patrick's head to break up the pin. Scott goes to hit Dallas with the belt. Dallas ducks and punches him and then hits an atomic drop and then a haymaker on Hall. Randy then hits him with the tag title belt. Scott then hits the outsider's edge on Dallas. He then drags him to the center of the ring. Randy kicks Nick Patrick and then Randy drops the big elbow. Scott forces Nick to count the pin for the win. And what's great about this match is the fact that because they already have one match before at Spring Stampede, they were allowed to get crazy with this match but they didn't get reckless. Notice the difference. You know, there were spots, there were crazy moments, but nobody was reckless in this match. And that is key. So they had the no disqualification match at Spring Stampede. So they might have gotten a little crazy. But with Falls Count Anywhere, that's where they were allowed to go all around the building. And notice... They were the only match that went around the fucking building. Because they were supposed to be the only match that went around the fucking building. Yeah. You notice three other people didn't pull that shit earlier in the night. Like the death match. They didn't fight all around the building. Even though they had no DQ stipulations attached to them. They saved it for the match that made fucking sense for it to do. 
You have a main event. And that's the thing about WCW. Because everybody talks about, well, everybody in wrestling likes variety. Yeah, but none of you fuckers give variety. Y'all do the same shit. This is the true definition of variety. It's like, okay, we have one match that is false count anywhere. That's the only match that's going to go all around the fucking building and do the insane spots. The rest of you are going to tell your story a different way. Because we don't want to get to the Falls Count Anywhere match and have this be the ninth time they've seen people fight around the fucking building. Shit. Hell, I still remember Revolution. What was like five matches out on the floor? Minimum? Give or take. Like, it's not just about whoever's booking or promoting. You got to look at the overall card, find out where things make sense. And if wrestlers have ideas that are going to fuck the card up, you got to check them. Say, hey, we got a Falls Count Anywhere match. So whatever you guys decide to do, don't go fighting all around the goddamn building. That's for this match. You guys figure something else out. That's what you do if you're the boss of a fucking company. No, that's called being a boss of a fucking company. A lot of people don't realize, you know, what it means to be a boss. Sometimes you have to set parameters in order to make sure that your show goes off without a hitch. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you know, and Vince didn't always make the best decisions, but he at least understood that. Correct. You know, Triple H, he gets it, even though he kind of flirts with it a little bit, but he gets it. To an extent, he he flirt. You can flirt with it some. Yeah. And it'd be okay. Yeah. But you don't want to flirt with it too much because if you flirt with it too much, you're just gonna. Eventually, you're gonna end up fucking it. You'll fuck you. You'll fuck your shit all the hell. Yeah, exactly. If you flirt with it too much, eventually you'll end up fucking it. It's okay. It's the same shit that I keep saying day in and day out. If you sodomize the family dog a hundred times, at some point or another, your child is going to get used to you sodomizing the family dog. It's like two dogs fucking. You can only look at it for so long. Yeah. Boy, it just doesn't become funny anymore. Like going to Tijuana and see a woman fucking a horse. Yeah. It's fun the first time, but I'm probably not going back. Yeah. That's pretty just much the, the difference it, there. Just the way it works, brother. That's the way it works. And, uh, and of course, this match was 16 minutes and 56 seconds. Not doing the gimmick. I know, because it's a great match. It's one you need to go out and see if you haven't seen it. Yes. And the tag title match was 10 minutes and 2 seconds. Of our lives, we can't get back. Okay, he'll do it for that one. But no, the main event here is the takeaway from this, because as we mentioned before, it was done properly. Like, if you want to learn how to do a false Count Anywhere match and do it the right way, this is how you want to watch it. And also, it represented the feud of the year and what makes it even greater. It was feud of the year. And guess what? Both these guys are in their 40s. Yep. So Dallas is either in his, in his early 40s or his late 30s. Savage is in his mid-40s during a time when people thought he shouldn't wrestle anymore because everyone thought he was too old when he was in W... That's why, he was in, that's why he was commentating in WWE and they had Feud of the Year. So all those people out there that complain about this guy's too old, that guy's too old. Suck a dick. If you know how to work, age ain't a factor. Yeah. Age is only a factor to the high spot cruiserweight guys. Yes. That's the only people who need to worry about their age. Because once you reach that age or that point where you can't flip, you have now outlived your usefulness in wrestling. Correct. There you go. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude uh, this review of the Great American Bash 1997. Gator, as always, thank you for taking time. Mary Beast schedule to join us, and um, hopefully I'll see you on the next one. Yes, you will see me on the next one. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm the Gator, and I'll see you later. Thank you very much. 
Yes. All right, so make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash the Boochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content. And be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash the Boochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, August 5th for WWE SummerSlam. That's right. Make sure you join us for the biggest party of the summer and of course we have our live D show coming soon our boochcast booking battle and a special project in the works you can also support the boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the boochcast slash by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the boochcast slash support god they changed this link it's driving me nuts become a supporter of the boochcast support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes we have three levels you can donate at pick the one that works the best within your budget we have our first level which is 99 cents one dollar per month we have our second level which is 4.99 five dollars per month same amount of money you would pay for a peacock subscription i know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the peacock so don't give them money give us money we got better content the peacock anyway and we got our third and final level you can donate at which is for a mere $9.99 10 dollars per month same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE network subscription here in the united states Ever since all the peak, I got to put that $9.99. So $10.99, bring it over here. We got better content in the network. And unlike All Elite Wrestling, we actually care about our fans that are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with your credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment. We used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believes it'll be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm, podcasters.spotify.com, slash pod, slash show, slash the Boochcast, slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. I'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.